the Enthusiast Club podcast. I'm RJ White. Each podcast is a conversation with a member of the club about something that excites them, something in which they have a great deal of interest, and really all you have to do to be a member is just be enthusiastic about something. Uh, a film, a hobby, a food, a song, a genre even, which is what we're going to hear about today. Jamie Fountaine, a writer from the Philadelphia chapter, is enthusiastic about celebrity memoirs. We'll talk about what separates the good from the bad, how these books match up with our relationships and perceptions of celebrities and whatever images they've put out there over the years, and maybe even get hip to a couple you should check out. How do you define a celebrity memoir? So I think that the, uh, the best way to define the memoir versus autobiography is that it is either not as well written or it's actually written by the person. And I think that that uh, could, you can tell the difference because if it's actually written by the person and that person can write, like a good example of that recently is Busy Phillips' book, where you can tell that like she's writing it in her voice and she's not a trained writer, but she actually has a knack for it. And so she wrote a bunch of essays and clearly she worked with thoughtful editors, but you get like, here is my, here are some essays about my life. It makes sense. Or you get like the, probably my favorite genre, which is where the person who is supposed to have written the book has said a bunch of shit into a recorder and then paid someone to turn it into a book. And I had always guessed that that's how it's done, but... Yeah, me too, me too. Like, I always assume... Uh, yeah, when, when you said you wanted to talk about celebrity memoirs, that's exactly the first thing that popped in my head. That type of thing where there's a ghostwriter or there's just some like low-level editor at some publishing house who has to, yeah, go through a bunch of tapes of somebody just saying anecdotes. feels like the voice that you are used to the person giving you, but it's also very clear to you that they didn't write a book. Exactly. And I think that the way that I completely figured this out, and this is was absolutely when I worked at the coffee shop. So Jerry Blavitt, he, when he wrote his memoirs, as it were, he told me what he did. Can we pause here a moment? And and for those who, hopefully the entire audience for the show won't be in the greater Philadelphia, if you could uh, explain a bit who Jerry Blavitt is. So locally, he is he has been on TV and the radio since like 1960. Um, if you were to compare him to someone people might perhaps recognize, I would call him the real life Courtney Collins of Philadelphia. But for people who haven't seen Hairspray, he's just been on the radio since before my parents were born. And so he was he was on Bandstand before Dick Clark. I feel like that's an important caveat. Like before Dick Clark was even the host of American Bandstand, Jerry Blavitt was a dancer on Bandstand. And then he got a radio show and he has consistently had a radio show of some kind in the greater Philadelphia area for the last almost 60 years. I guess it was probably like almost 10 years ago, he put out a memoir called You Only Rock Once. And he told me how he did it, which was that he recorded a bunch of stories and he sent them to to his partner, 
who had once been a copy editor for Time Magazine, and she listened to all the stories and then sent the stories that she thought would make a good book to the ghostwriter who compiled these into one book. And that's how they get the actual voice down, which is really interesting because that would have been my guess, but I had no proof up until a few years ago that that is actually the pro- the thing I guessed was the process is actually the process. But it makes a lot of sense because there are some very good, they're fun read celebrity memoirs where nobody has any sense of time or how stories work or how to build a narrative. I think one of the best examples of that is Cindy Lauper's memoir, and it makes no linear sense at all. She'll just be like, well, it was 1957 and my mother was doing this thing, which reminds me of a story about when I met my husband, David, in the 90s. And you're just like, oh, he's one of the bad defense lawyers on Law and Order SVU. That's interesting. He's the one with like the, the floppy hair. That's Cindy Lauper's husband. But then you're just like, wait, so your sister was gay and people weren't nice to her. And then you married the guy from Law and Order? How is this one story? The whole thing flows that way where you're just like, I don't understand what's happening or how you ordered it this way. But it feels exactly like every interview you've ever seen with Cindy Lauper on television where you're just like, oh, you're really doing it. All right. I'm going to try to follow this. I'm not going to follow it. But eventually, with enough Googling, I will come to a certain kind of understanding. Well, okay, so this brings up an interesting thing, because I was going to ask, uh, what's more important to you in these? That it's well-written, or that it's got uh, juicy details and whatnot. But it seems like the well-written thing is almost kind of by the wayside. If it seems more like, okay, that's how you would expect to have it feel if you were in the room with this person just telling stories, which almost seems like that's more of an important thing for them to get across i i enjoy good literature i'm a fiction writer i read all kinds of complicated experimental fiction and have enjoyed it but also sometimes you just want to read something for pure entertainment and the and celebrity memoirs are great for that because i think that when it first started being a thing it was like starlets who had been kind of famous in the 40s and 50s who needed to cash in and the the 60s and 70s so they could pay their medical bills or like put their mother in a home and so you have like francis farmer writing what was basically totally made up but people bought into like oh this is what happened to francis farmer and then they made that like jessica lang movie about it and nirvana wrote songs about it and it was all just her trying to make some money And so if you read the older ones, the ones that came out in the 60s and 70s, they all are either the most tawdry, dramatic things you've ever read, or they're the way that Joan Crawford would write etiquette books. Or like, here's my favorite recipe for deviled eggs. Absolutely nothing wrong here. Which actually, the tangential to a celebrity memoir are also important, like Mommy Dearest. Mommy Dearest is an excellent read. Is it true? Maybe. Is it sensationalized? I'm almost certain. Is it something that is like absolutely worth reading if you can get a copy for less than $5? Definitely. And I think that's the other thing is that the reason I, part of how I got very invested in these celebrity memoirs is that I would just buy them at thrift stores when I was a teenager and in college because they were a quarter. And then I'd be like, yeah, I'll read Mommy Dearest. There's a very small percentage that's actually well-written, 
But even people who did some writing don't always do a good job because they don't care. Because usually they're doing it for money and attention. And you don't need to do a, be a good writer to get money and attention. You just need to have something to say that people are willing to pay a certain amount of money to hear. Well, that that's actually kind of brings up an interesting point I was thinking about too, the fact that the, the whole oddness of uh, celebrity and our relationships with these celebrities. So, so to get these books that are kind of just a glimpse into their lives and whether or not it's, 100% true or not. It's always just from their perspective, so you don't know. But then also it's been filtered through editors and ghostwriters and whatnot. So it's this really strange thing where does it actually help you feel like you've got more of a connection with this person you've seen on TV or heard their music or not? Well, I think it really depends on what you're looking for because I'm, I've never read these because I want to know more about how can I find a book that teaches me more about the artists I am deeply interested in knowing because even when people like that, like David Lynch co-wrote a book about himself with somebody else and I got a copy and I haven't read it. But I also like kind of think that the key to David Lynch is that he doesn't always know what he's doing and he admits that. And that's, that's a fascinating thing in an artist. And then there are like these other people who are like, here's what I, here's what I'm doing. And it's brilliant. Did you, this is not an actual memoir, but did you read that recent New York Times interview with Nicolas Cage? Yes, I did. It was one of the greatest things I've ever read in my entire life. Because Nicolas Cage was just like, I'm going to do exactly what I like to do. And this guy is going to buckle up and enjoy the ride. Like the part where he was just like, well, David, it's hard to even do karaoke these days. He's just like, here's the thing, man. And, like, I feel like that's actually what I'm interested in when I'm reading these celebrity memoirs. It's not, like, the part where I finally understand this person as a human, but when the person themselves is not completely sure what is the act and what is the reality. And sometimes, like, people do a really great job with that accidentally, and sometimes you think, oh, this is intentional, they're doing a good job. The best one, at least the best one I've ever read, is Rue McClanahan's. She was Blanche from the Golden Girls, and it's called I'm Not Kidding, My First Five Husbands and Then Some. You get a reasonable picture of what her childhood was like and how she got into the theater and how she started working. And then here's a man and here's a story. And she cultivated her own personal stories into the framework of Blanche Devereaux. And she knows she's doing it. And unless you're, you somehow have never seen the Golden Girls... You can really tell that's what's going on, but it's so enjoyable because she's just like, here's my most beloved character. Here's my actual life. How do we find a way to put these together so you can enjoy it? I can make a little extra money and we can all have a nice time. That understanding of what a celebrity memoir is, is the best possible version where somebody's like, I know who you think I am. I know who I am. Where, where are the exact places that that intersects and how can we do something with it? Because I, in a way, I guess, thinking about it like that, it's a bit of the person being able to market their public persona in a way. Yeah, I, I never thought about that. Some of them who just, they get that. And here's a very entertaining yarn. Here's a good book that you're going to enjoy and you're going to buy. Which seems like, yeah, that actually would be better than the ones who take it maybe perhaps too seriously and think, oh, people really have to know what I've been through in my life, 
when it's pretty much, you know, they were on F Troop or something like that. It, it's not really that much of a more interesting story than uh, most other ones out there. Every so often, somebody who is putting out a book like this is like dropping a bombshell, like Mackenzie Phillips. And I haven't read that because it felt like it would be exploitive, which is a weird thing where I'm like, oh, so it's something extremely bad probably happened in your childhood. You decided to reveal it in a book because you needed money. And that was in the Oprah days. And so she like went on Oprah and I was like, I'm not going to watch. This happened when I was much younger, but I've never followed up on that one. because It just seems like it's the worst possible case scenario of what these t- stupid books can be, where it's somebody who had something genuinely awful happen to them and needs to make money. And so they're just putting it all out there so that they can make money off of their own terrible trauma. If I remember correctly, that's how she revealed her childhood sexual abuse. And then there was all this, oh, I don't think that really happened or did it happen, which is not how anybody should treat somebody talking about their childhood trauma at all. And so I never felt comfortable reading that, which I know is a weird line to draw with completely garbage books. I was going to ask that. I thought that's interesting that the ones where it's something a bit more serious, you kind of... So you kind of tend to like not want to go. The whole thing felt kind of uncomfortable to me because everybody gets to deal with their trauma in their own way. But I didn't feel like I had to be part of that, which I know is a really highfalutin thing to say for somebody who was like, let me tell you about how Jerry Blavitt, local radio legends autobiography was made. But I also think that as a reader of anything, like you get to make choices. And there are people who, the way that they deal with what their traumatic thing is, like I'm thinking of Leah Remini's book about leaving Scientology. There was some like, Scientology at no point sounds like a healthy way for any person to live. But she really like explained like, oh, her mom got her into it and leaving was weird. And it didn't feel as exploitive as it felt like her being like, here is what it's like. I was a part of this thing that I think is bad for a long time. It wasn't like the book and documentary, but it was also like an inside look where it was just, well, here's what it's like. It's pretty weird. Also, it turns out that Jennifer Lopez is a very good friend, which I'm not saying I'm surprised to hear that, but like, so Leo Ramini and Jennifer Lopez are close friends. And reading that book, you find out all, like you just, it's just like, oh, Jennifer Lopez is, a a genuinely good friend to Leah Romini and I I don't mean to like I it's like hard to imagine celebrities being nice to each other because it seems like such a weird universe to live in but that was one of those things where I was like oh well good for them I'm glad that they have friends out there and so like those are the fun reveals of those books it's never like oh something terrible happened so I was like oh you had genuine friendships in reading one of these when have you been pleasantly surprised about someone's life or some celebrity and where it's kind of maybe changed your opinion toward the better for them where you're like, oh, actually, you know what, that's, I didn't know that about them and they actually seemed like kind of a cool person where maybe you'd been sort of just indifferent and you just picked up the book because you, you found it at like a, a yard sale or a used bookstore or something like that and you read it and you realize, oh, that's actually kind of nice. Like, have there been any that have struck you like that or no? I mostly knew of Marianne Faithful as someone who put out like a good record in the 80s and had a very troubled life. 
and I read her autobiography and it was so good. You could tell that she actually worked very closely with her ghostwriter and had put a lot of effort into it. And the way that she talks about like kind of getting swept up into like the Rolling Stones and I don't care about the Rolling Stones as a band. I know that they're very popular, but they are of no interest to me. And so her just like making fun of everyone in the Rolling Stones from an inside perspective and being like, yeah, that's what I always thought. And her having like interesting things to say about going to New York in the 70s and like all of these very interesting perspectives. It was actually a very good read that was a different view of a bunch of stuff I had spent a lot of time reading about because when I was younger especially I read a lot about like the New York punk scene and about the counterculture of the 60s and all of these things that people have written very highbrow things about and then I Mary and Faith was just like Mick Jagger was an asshole I don't know why I dated him so long and you're like I don't know either heroin probably and she was like yeah it was probably heroin don't do heroin or Mick Jagger got it these are important life lessons I feel smarter. And so there are a few like that where it's somebody who got a reputation for being tangential, whether or not they deserve that. Like Ronnie Spector's book is really good and really sad. She was a teenager that Phil Spector tricked. Tina Turner's book, which was ghostwritten, like it was co-written, so it's like not even a ghostwriter, but Kurt Loder was the person that co-wrote it. Which is how I remembered that he was an actual journalist before he was the MTV News old guy. But so with books like Ronnie Spector's and Tina Turner's, they were talking about being in the shadow of these very famous artist producers who were some of the worst people on earth. But reading Ronnie Spector's book and reading Tina Turner's book and what it's like, because both of them kind of got put in these gilded cages and had to escape with nothing and how to rebuild that are these really incredible stories. And I feel like a lot of those came out in the 80s when both of those books came out with these women who had been like kind of famous and didn't come back and were trying to make a comeback and also stand on their own two feet because they had been like behind these weird, terrible curtains of living in the shadow of a very dangerous producer husband. And I feel like those were very interesting because they were a little bit less guarded because now I feel like almost every celebrity who needs to form a brand comes out with a book of some kind and it's like, here are my funny essays that aren't that funny. Or if I don't have a full collection of essays in me, like what if I did a cookbook with just some stories about my mom? That's fine. I don't think we need, we as a society really care whether or not we have Reese Witherspoon's fruit salad recipe. That's not interesting. That doesn't help anybody. Maybe Reese Witherspoon is a perfectly reasonable actress. But when it's like the extension of the brand, those books are like not of interest. It's when it gets kind of messy or when it's something that people wrote. Because in the 80s, it felt like a lot of those books were being written because somebody wanted to be genuinely helpful and say like, this was a bad thing that happened to me. And here's how I got out of it. A big factor in Ronnie Spector and Tina Turner like had very different lives, but they had a lot of similarities in their like leaving stories. How they And they put these books out and like, the early mid eighties. And it was very much, you knew me as this person. It, this was the reality of that. Here's how I'm making my comeback. It also sort of fit into that eighties empowered woman who's coming through something tough idea. 
Because I feel like all of these always go in waves that either are completely on brand for the celebrity or fit a certain popular narrative of the time. Because again, they're not good books. When Mommy Dearest came out, there were other books about how terrible celebrity mothers were. Betty Davis's daughter also wrote a book about how she didn't like her mom. It wasn't just Joan Crawford's daughter. And that's been, I think, at some point, Madonna's brother that she is estranged from wrote a book about how he thinks she's a bitch. And everybody's like, it wasn't very interesting to read. He just seems like an unpleasant person. Well, that brings up which ones have you read or anything come to mind where you've read it and, and your estimation of the person have been, has actually gone down a bit. You're like, ooh, oh, I, I'm not sure I enjoy their work anymore or I don't really think I like that person any longer. I was interested in reading Frank Langella's book about his life. I was like, oh, this is going to be tawdry. The tone of it is so smug that I was like, I, I, I don't think I could do it. And then it's just like, of course, you're Frank Langella. You were Dracula. You've done everything. I get it. But also, like, you can be a little fun. You just seem like a deeply unpleasant person. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying don't read it. I had these incredibly high hopes because I'm like, this is going to be exciting. For With all of these, I'm just thinking about, all right, I want to read dumb celebrity things that are probably wrong, just like Hollywood Babylon. Because I think my whole interest in this genre of book totally comes from somehow getting a copy of Hollywood Babylon when I was a teenager, like a young teenager, and being like, none of this is real. It's fascinating watching people build their own myths and how willing people are to believe them. Because Hollywood Babylon is almost all fictional stories about real people deeply dramatic and it's like oh yes jane mansfield was decapitated which she absolutely wasn't but it was like a common rumor because her wig fell off when she was in the car accident and then it's just like oh this is this is fun garbage the idea of how easy it is for a lie to catch on is interesting to me and watching people try to do that for themselves or be surprisingly honest which is an interesting twist on myth-making, where it's just like, well, actually, this was messed up. And usually the people that are actually good writers are either not very popular actors or people that, like, became actors by accident, like um, Sarah Fire, who is in Strangers with Candy, and who, until recently, was married to Andy Richter. Like, she wasn't a well-known actress, but she wrote um, a pretty interesting memoir in, that was, like, kind of in essays about growing up poor with a... a mostly with just her mom in the New Orleans suburbs. And like, that was a very interesting book and she's a very good writer. And so it's just like, oh, I wouldn't have guessed that from you being the gym teacher on a show I watched in 1999. But then that humanizes a person that you only had one context for, which is a very interesting thing that in theory a book could do. But in practice, most of the time you're just, so what are you going to admit to? And like, how will I put what I've heard and what I know into like a different category. That's, I guess, the most interesting part is trying to decide at the end, like how you feel about what you're aware of and what what is being said to you. So what do you think the most important elements of a really good uh, celebrity memoir are then? So I think that uh, having a consistent voice that matches up with the person that you as a, an audience member knows is really key to the enjoyment. And it's more important, at least to me, than having like good 
sentence structure or like building good stories because you can kind of follow a voice even if the stories are not structured in any narrative way that you would understand as a reader because you're used to hearing these people talk. Leo Romini's book about leaving Scientology was like was a great celebrity memoir not because she is a brilliant writer but because like she had a consistent voice it sounded exactly like Stacy Carisi from those episodes of Saved by the Bell Hawaii. And she had a goal in telling these stories. And so even though like they weren't the most consistently like well narrated, she knew what she was trying to say. And so every story made a certain amount of sense in the context that you had for it. And I think the idea behind like the way that people feel about celebrities in general is that imagine that you know them. And I don't think that's really true, but you get this idea of a person who's on TV all the time or whose music you're familiar with. And you, you have what you think a person is like, and if they're going to write a book and it fits that narrative, it's really, it's very easy to follow them. Even if there's nothing linear happening, even if what they're saying isn't completely interesting or doesn't totally make sense, you're just like, all right, I know who's talking to me let's see where this is going. And I think that can be very, that carries you much further than somebody who's like a talented storyteller. My favorites are never ones that are like, here is a complete story from A to B. How I, how I started, how I got here. Those are never the most fun. The most fun are like, they're messy. They have weird side confessions. And that they understand like what you can do in a celebrity book or they didn't realize they know what they're doing, but they absolutely do. Whoever helped uh, Rue McClanahan write her book really knew what they were doing. There's a whole chapter where she's just like talking about her first encounter with a man of another race. And then at the end, she's like, oh, and by the way, it was Robert Guillaume. And you're like, oh, damn, really? Right. And it, but it's like so well constructed. She's like, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma and I was never personally a prejudiced person, but people had ideas. And I was doing New York theater in the 60s and it was a wonderful thing. And I learned all these other things and I got exposed to all these wonderful people and one of the most wonderful. And she's just like going on. And you're like, I'm in. She doesn't even tell you that he was famous. And she's like, oh, and by the way, Benson, the very end. And it's so well done. And I feel like there are some people who just have a natural gift for like building up to a story by accident. And there are some people who do it on purpose. And there are also people who have no idea how to do it, but luckily like have somebody who can at least like try and get you there eventually. Yeah. I, I wonder how that does get through the ones that are. And I think a lot of it probably does come down to a good editor to have a, um, be actually an interesting, compelling book versus a quick cash-in sort of situation. Yeah, no, and I, I wouldn't ever say that these are good books. Some of them are really fun to read, and every so often you're like, I don't know where I would have heard any of that without that context. But I feel like the ones that are like, oh, I am so glad I read this are almost always someone who you wouldn't necessarily consider a celebrity, but they're writing it in the terms of being like very famous. So Jane County of Jane County and the Electric Chairs wrote a book called Man Enough to Be a Woman. 
she absolutely wrote it like in the 90s when she just needed money. And I'm not totally sure. I was very curious as to what was going on with her after I read that. And from what I can tell, she runs a cat rescue in Georgia, which is not the trajectory I had guessed for her. Because like her, she was in like a seminal punk band. She was like a very, she was like good friends with Candy Darling. When she like transitioned medically, like then she moved to Europe and was doing all this crazy stuff. And so it's like this like very fascinating picture into like a very small window of like a very small subculture. And some of these things are like so interesting because I feel like with there were plenty of counterculture writers who didn't come from necessarily a literary background, but who wrote these wonderful, brilliant things. You get like Cookie Mueller, who was in all of those early John Waters movies, and who was a really brilliant writer, and who was like in Nan Golden photographs. And she was such a great writer, but like untrained. And so the hope for a lot of these like smaller books, like Jane County's would be that this is like somebody who just had a secret talent that you had never really found, but that's not necessarily what it was, but their lives were so interesting and specific that you're like, okay, but go on. Jane County is like a very specific case where it's just like, you were in with Warhol, you were in with like the early CBGB scene. I honestly don't think she could tell which were the interesting parts and which weren't the interesting parts because there was just as much that was just like, oh, but my boyfriend at that time was very hot. And you're like, okay, good for him. What about all of the other, what about, what were you doing at the time? And it's like, maybe just this hot boyfriend. That's fair, I guess. So what do you think uh, in your collection or, or the things you've, all these you've read over the years, what would your like uh, top three be? Um, Jane County's is absolutely one of my favorite man enough to be a woman is a great read. And I wouldn't say it's like one of the best written, but it is absolutely one of the most interesting. And the way that like everything is sort of tossed off casually, it feels less like it was recorded and somebody else put it together and more like a one person oral history. I know that Jane County is like a celebrity in only very limited ways, but I would like that's one of the most interesting books I've ever read. Um, well, sometimes that's that can almost be better though, because the stories that come from that uh, might be more like I, I just I was just reminded of um, uh, Samuel Fuller a few years ago. I read his um, memoir, and the thing was interesting because some of it was about making the movies, but a lot of it was about him just being a World War II and, and then the insane, horrible things he saw. And, and did it during that, and that was actually more interesting than him trying to just grind it out making uh, uh, cheap movies, or like his early days being uh, newsy on the streets of New York. Like hearing those, like reading those stories was more interesting than the stuff where he's just trying to scrape together uh, money from investors uh, to, to make these B-films. Because I think sometimes people really don't know what about their lives is interesting. Right, yeah, that's the thing, yeah. Even, and it's weird that Samuel Fuller would have done a bad job because I'm a fan of a lot of his films. There's a real sense of storytelling in them. But I think that there are a lot of people who have no idea how to tell a story, especially actors, because they never had to write the story. They just had to be present for it, tap into an emotion about it. 
And so that's much more interesting to them than how you get there or how you do it. Because they're like, the feelings are what's important. There are a lot of people who like tell you how they felt, but it doesn't, you don't really understand why or you don't care because it's not that important. Um, And so there are some people who just like, like I, I do feel like in Jane County's book, she just led such an interesting life that it's hard not to be invested. And she's incredibly casual about so much of the hardship that she faced as somebody who like transitioned in the early seventies and like what it must've been like, what it was like to just be like, Oh, I'm Jane now everyone deal with it. And how that worked in different times than the ones we're in now. And I'm, and like what that meant for her and also just like what that meant in the context of like coming from like rural Michigan to like New York and then ending up somewhere else. And it was, that one's really fascinating. I would absolutely recommend that to anyone except somebody who hated having a good time. I think that, that as far as like the best combination of celebrity and memoir, Rue McClanahan, hands down. I don't know who ghost wrote that one, but like, it's really perfectly calibrated. It's everything you want it to be and a little bit more, but she never like reveals too much. It does feel like she has the whole thing under control. Absolutely. In a way that's very interesting. And then I would say that there's like a class of eighties memoirs, basically any memoir by a woman in music that was done in like the late, in the mid to late eighties, early nineties, you're going to get something interesting out of it. Like Marianne Faithfuls, I think has a special place in my heart because she ends the book and she's just like, I don't know a lot of things, but here's my best chicken recipe. And then the book ends with just her recipe for roast chicken. Really? Yeah. That's a great idea. I, oh man. I don't know if it's any good because I'm a vegetarian, but I was going to ask if you tried yeah, I, it, but okay, got it. If I weren't a vegetarian, I would. I can send it to you if you want, and you can try it for yourself. Oh no, we, the, my house for vegetarians in the house anyway. So yeah, um, so we would not also we also would not be having a bunch of like raw chicken on our pans and dishes. It sounds reasonable, like it does. It's it's not like add a can of orange soda to an open fire and then hope for the best. It like it involves like regular chicken recipe things. So it seems, it seems like a, yeah, it seems very, and after a story where it's just like, well, Mick Jagger sucked and like being a heroin addict is unsurprisingly pretty shitty. And like this whole thing was bad and here's another bad thing. And like overall, like life's full of weird surprises. Didn't love most of them. I don't know a lot about most things. I do know this is a pretty good chicken recipe. Is just like one of the greatest endings to a book I've ever read, and I mean this like as far as literature goes as well. Who who is someone uh, who never did put a memoir out that you kind of wish they had, and you would love to read it if they did? Tim Curry. Oh, he's never done one, really. As huh. as far as I know, he hasn't written a book. That's like, but I would love to know his deal. That man was in like every single thing in the 80s that people loved and also that traumatized people. And I feel like that's, uh, yeah, Tim Curry should absolutely write a book. I would read 
the shit out of it. Yeah, kind of along those lines, one that just popped into my head, um, Gene Hackman. Ooh, I bet that would be good. Or it would be really bad. <laughs> oh, maybe. I feel like it would either be, like, one of the best, or it would be, like... Because I remember when, like, Keith Richards wrote that book, a lot of people were like, oh, did you read it? And I was like, no, because I don't really care about the Rolling Stones. And then people who actually did read it were like, it was pretty boring because he just talked about like how good he is at guitar and hanging out with his friends. Didn't even go into detail about like how he had more than one wife who was a supermodel. And so it's one of those things where it's like you can live a deeply interesting life and not have anything cool to say about it. So I think what's more interesting is when people have like find ways to make stuff that's not that exciting, interesting. And of course that actually takes a good writer or at least a decent storyteller. And so like Dolly Parton was great at like, Oh, here's my hard scrabble childhood that obviously I've mined for songs. Here's an example. But she also added a bunch of stuff that like wasn't in her songs. Dolly Parton's book was also excellent. And she spends a lot of time talking about, um, like her incredibly long-term friendship with her best friend growing up, Judy Ogle, who is, is gay. And she was like very open. Like, yeah, one of my best friends is gay. She was a tomboy. I was, I wanted to not be a tomboy, but couldn't afford it. And like, she's been with me ever since. And like, here's how we became best friends when we were children. Here's what she, how we're still friends and she still works for me. And like, that was a very, I think that was something that when that book came out, because I think it was like the late 80s, early 90s, is not something that country music really did, was talk about their gay best friends. And I was like, of course my best friend is gay. Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous that I wouldn't tell you about my best friend and her act like that was a secret. I mean, Dolly Parton is probably one of the best celebrities because I honestly am not sure if she's ever done a bad thing in her life. Because every time you learn a new thing about her, it's just like, Oh, like she's celebrating her 50th wedding anniversary and her husband doesn't like attention. So she just gives him privacy. Like, oh, did she really just donate her 10 millionth book to children? Of course she did. But like it never feels fake. And I think that like she's one of the rare celebrities who figured out who she is as a person and then just made that into a persona. And so like her book, which I know this is like a fourth out of top three, but her book is great if you like Dolly Parton because it's exactly who she, who you think she is. But in the like 25, 30 years since that came out, like she's never shown herself to be anything but the person she's always presented herself as, which is kind of amazing. What is uh, probably the worst one you've ever read? And I know a lot of them are not good, but what's one where you're like, even by this standards of these things as they often turn out which one you're like ah, i just couldn't recommend this to anybody i mean i will say anthony kiedis's book couldn't get past like page 10 absolutely recycled it so nobody else had to read it i also and this was like a tangential celebrity memoir but i read ron miscavige's book like uh which is like david miscavige who's like in charge of scientology like his dad's book there was a summer where I just read like every bad Scientology memoir because I was bored. And I was like, this is my thing. There are a lot of them. Scientology is bad. I think that everyone except for active Scientologists agree on that one. But his book was really just 
like instead of like oh this was a bad idea for us to get involved in this and this is like these are my regrets about Scientology it was definitely all just like my son doesn't respect me enough and that's probably what the problem is and like I distanced myself from Scientology but I still believe in all of it and mostly I just think my son doesn't respect me and when you have like a neighbor who's just like well my grandkids never visit me and it's probably because they're a bunch of chumps and then you're like your grandkids are children correct and so they probably don't visit you because their parents have problems with you as an adult i'm not here to arbitrate the beef between david and ron miscovich and so it's just like so you have no problems with scientology but your son is kind of a jerk and you take no responsibility for that even though you raised him that's interesting it's not interesting it's so boring um so i would yeah that is i did finish that one but it wasn't good um so it's two categories one you should never finish is anthony kiddis is one if you do finish it just stay away uh yeah ron miscavige's thing well, thank you very much for talking to me. I, I've, I actually have a list of things I want to look up, especially this Jane County one actually sounds very uh, interesting. Yeah. If you really can't find a copy and you promise to return it, I can loan it to you, but I will need it back. Well, thank you to Jamie for being on the podcast. Her novella, Manhunt, just came out from Mason Jar Press. You can find more about it and her many projects at jamiefontaine.com that's j-a-i-m-e-f-o-u-n-t-a-i-n-e dot com well if you like what you've heard here and want to hear other episodes please subscribe to the Enthusiast Club podcast on your favorite podcast app or visit enthusiastsclub.net you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Enthusiasts Club thank you for listening